Welcome back to Harmonize Your Life, conversations on self-care for women of color with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. Well, I hope you are ready for another good conversation today, a good self-care conversation as we have um, entered into the month of November. Many of you already know this is National Caregiver Month, the month of November, and we are heading full steam ahead into the holidays. However, this year, the holidays are going to look different and feel different to many of us because we are still yet in a global pandemic. But there are some things that are consistent about the holidays that we're going to talk about today with my guests, um, uh, who I'm going to introduce uh, to you in just a moment. But we know that um, the holidays come with a lot of things. It come with a lot of joy, but sometimes it can come with sadness because people are sad about uh, family members who may not be with them uh, or family members or that they may be away from during the holidays. Many times people are single or, or without family and um, often feel lonely or isolated during this time. And so, um, and then add on top of that, a global pandemic where we are socially distancing ourselves, or shall I say, physically distancing ourselves from one another. Our gatherings are going to look different this year. If we can gather at all, they're going to look quite different than years past gone by. And so I've asked um, a wonderful um, woman to be uh, be a part of my uh, our conversation on today. Our dialogue partner today is Dr. Sarah Williams. And I want to read a little bit of her bio and then we'll get started. So Dr. Sarah is a licensed and board certified psychotherapist with a specialty in grief and trauma. A dynamic speaker, a subject matter expert, Dr. Sarah is known as the celebrity therapist for her clinical work and TV media platforms. Dr. Sarah is also the owner of Covenant Way Wellness, a private counseling agency that offers both clinical mental health counseling, holistic workshops like yoga, meditation, and creative therapy. After overcoming her own trauma, Dr. Sarah is genuinely devoted to helping others heal from trauma, move forward and, and upward in life. Um, to book Dr. Sarah, there, I'm going to give you some ways that you can find her later on, but you can book her for speaking engagements, for podcast um, um, uh, appearances like today teletherapy and or consultation and we'll put her information on the on the screen we'll make sure you know her information for those who are listening we will shout her out and let you know how you can uh connect with dr sarah um beyond this podcast episode but we're going to be talking today our uh podcast episode today is going to be um the title of our uh, uh podcast today is managing Holiday Grief and Depression. And I, I want to welcome Dr. Sarah Williams to our conversation today. Good afternoon, doctor. Thank you for having me, Dr. Tony. This is so amazing to finally be in this space together with you. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad to be in this space with you. Um, I'm glad for the connection. I don't believe, um, I believe in divine connections. And so um, one of the things that Dr. Sarah and I are uh, connected through is the Women of Color Empowerment Institute, where she and I both serve as chartering members of this organization. And that's how we met through the Women of Color um, the what we call W-O-C-E-I, uh, the Women of Color Empowerment Institute. And we've served there on a couple of panel discussions around COVID-19. Um, she's deal dealt with mental health and I dealt with spiritual health. And uh, we served on the, on the health committee of that organization. And um, I just knew that Dr. Sarah would be a good dialogue partner for our subject on today, managing holiday grief and depression. So Dr. Sarah, talk to us a little bit about just your journey a little bit. And because in your bio, it talks about after overcoming your own trauma, you decided to go into helping others walk through trauma and to heal from trauma and move forward. So can you just share a little bit of your journey with us? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's just amazing how you can go through such a difficult time and when you're in the midst of something, you don't see the other side. You don't see your purpose of it. You think that you're just designed maybe just to have that level of, of suffering and you don't know why. And what most people don't know about me is I went through and did um, my studies and I, to become a college professor, which is what I was doing for almost 20 years. I was teaching in the Division of Health Professions and then I went over and I was teaching in uh, community counseling at the college here in Virginia. And during that time frame, I, I got a call that my mother had been diagnosed with, um, when my mother was not doing well at all. They didn't tell me at the time it was cancer. So I relocated to Florida to be with her and see how I could help. And while I was there, within a few months, they told me that she was terminal with cancer. And it really just, it, it just wiped me out because I love my mother dearly and we were very close and so are my children. And I lost my mother in December of that year. And that was tough. And you talk about holidays and grief and depression. Yeah. And because. Right there in the holidays. Right there at the holidays. Okay. And then I had these children. So it was like I was in this place of I wanted nothing to do with the holidays versus how unfair it is to them to not to experience that. So I, I managed and I, I took some time and was grieving and it was about a year or so later um, on a Friday afternoon, my husband called me and told me that he'd gotten a call from his doctor and that he was diagnosed with cancer. And at the first appointment, they told me that it was terminal and he only had a few months. And oh I just, yes, I just... Um, honestly though, Dr. Tony, at that moment, I went in survival mode. I was like, no, we're going to get, we're going to get second opinions. We're going to do this treatment, you know, and I'm a believer. I'm praying. I, I'm not understanding like this is a man that jogged. He never smoked. He was healthy. Uh, you know, this, this is not happening. My children at that point were barely nine years old, the twins. So I, I was just like, no, not my mother and him. That's not going to happen. Oh my and God. And unfortunately, as time went on, he did do the treatments, but it only extended his life for about three more months. So within six months, he was also gone. So he passed away. You mean within a span of a year? Yeah, two years. Yeah. In a span of two years. 
your mother and your husband yes passed away of cancer so i was a caregiver to my mother i took care of her and she passed away within say six months or eight months i got back to virginia kind of started balancing myself again and became immediately a caregiver again for my spouse wow wow so you didn't even have time to transition from or heal from the trauma of losing your mother to now you're caring for your husband and then ultimately he passes away. Wow. Yes, he does. So they both passed away in November and December of their prospective years that it happened. So right in the holidays, both times. Exactly. Right. Wow. And the old Sarah, the unhealed Sarah, uh, took three weeks off work and then immediately went back to work. Mm. That I could just push through. I thought that that was what I was trained to do. That's what I saw my mother do, is to go through so many challenges in life and just push through. So I continued. I'm single parenting. I'm grieving at night. I'm obviously eating, stress eating, emotional eating. Um, not in a good place, still trying to function at work. And I was a clinical direct, a regional clinical director, so I had a lot of responsibilities. And I was just literally like, I was in a fog. I was in a fog. And it was like a spinning top. And it's, it, I felt like as long as I stayed busy, I was okay. But the minute it got quiet and anything settled, like it was time to go to sleep, that's when I would have this rush. And I finally got to a point where I was not functioning well at work. Okay. And I had a doctor's appointment because I had physically wasn't feeling well. I think I had the flu or something like that. I don't know. And I went to the doctor and she said, I have to send you over to the ER because your blood pressure, it was like 200 over 180 or something. It's really high range. And I had, I didn't have my blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think you're having a stroke. And right. And so all I could think about is, oh, my God, my children won't have anybody if something happens to me. So um, I did get checked. They if I, if anything happened, it was very mild. But the doctor said, I need you to be off work and rest and really just, you know, focus on you for a few weeks. And Dr. Tony, what ended up happening is because I couldn't go to work and I had to stay home and recuperate. That's when I started feeling those emotions. That's and when the grief came. Cause you really, cause then you, you had to sit still so the, you could experience the grief. Right, that's when it happened. I was still because I wasn't allowed to do anything except go to my doctor's appointments and come home. I was on medical leave and that was for a few weeks. And then I put in my notice at work. I just felt like I needed to have some more time to rest. But what ended up happening was the reverse. So instead of me go, 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 when I got a chance to relax, I stayed in. So I started becoming more depressed and I would just take my kids to school and come right back in the house. I would have our dinner already made. They would come in and eat and then I'll go right back to my room. And I stayed like that for months. Wow. And my children were the ones who asked me when I was going to come out of this. They came to my room door one day and they said, mama, you ever going to get up? Because... They didn't know what, you know, they were grieving too. And I could be there for them, but I didn't know how to be there for me. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm taking some good nuggets here. I'm gonna come back to some of this stuff. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and I'm taking them to therapy and everything, and I'm sitting there falling apart in the session, you know, inside. But I'm look, I'm looking out for my children because I'm thinking they've lost so much. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about me. And it ended up we were at family therapy, and the counselor said, asked me when I was going to start seeing someone, and I started taking the kids to school and seeing her. And that was the beginning for me. And then I decided not to go back to the university and teach either. And I recredentialed and became a licensed therapist myself so that I could help other people that are struggling. Wow. That's my journey. That's how I ended up as a therapist. Wow. 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 So you took your pain and turned it into purpose. I see that. But I want to go back to a couple of things that you said, um, Dr. Sarah. First, you said that after losing your husband, you took about two or three weeks off and then you just pushed through. Why do we do that? Because so many of us, when we're whether it's grief or physical ailments that we're dealing with, why do we push through? Why do we not take the time that we need to grieve, to heal, um, to experience what we're going through? Why do we feel like we have to push through? Do you, can you help us with that? I think that uh, as women of color, we feel that we are designated to be the backbone of the family, to be the spiritual leader, and in some cases to be the breadwinner and to hold everybody else together because we feel if we fall apart or we take that time away that things are not going to progress. And And our mentors, look within our home, our parents and the mothers at the church. Yeah. Taking any time off. We never saw them really allowing themselves to grieve. We never saw them doing self-care. What's that? If you did that, you were selfish. Right, right, right. Exactly. So those so culturally we learned we learned that, right? And even um even some of our um doctrine or theology that was taught didn't allow for that. And so, yes, so I agree with you. So when, when you, how did you come out of that? So uh, I know that you, you pushed through and then you ended up going, getting sick and then, you know, taking your time out. But did you ever come to a place where you recognized this is not helping me, you know, just pushing, 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 pushing. Well, one thing that the fear of having a stroke uh, was a eye opener for me. Okay. Knowing that my father had passed away from a heart attack in his 50s. And here I am in my 40s when this all happened. Wow. Certainly it was genetically heart diseases within my family. And I knew that I was putting too much pressure on myself. But I didn't know how much. And granted, with my mother, I had siblings around that were all taking care and doing. I had my children to take care of, but my mother was good. But with my husband, it was... It fell on you. So taking care of the kids, working in him, and the way his care requirements became, because again... Um, I don't want him in the hospice. I want uh-huh. him 
you know, we don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. so he was home and I was not really sleeping. I worked a crisis program, which required 24 hour management. And then his care was continual. So at most for probably months, I may have slept maybe two hours um, at the most a night. I remember oversleeping one time and wow. just from the fatigue and just the uh, sleep deprivation, all that is a recipe for some type of health malady, like a heart yeah. stroke. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was overweight. I was about 45, 50 pounds overweight. Okay. There was there was pretty much every health thing that I could have compromised, I did. Lack of sleep. Not and I wasn't taking care of my glaucoma even. Okay. Been doing that. I was doing nothing for myself. I was totally engrossed in being a caregiver, taking care of my husband, taking care of my kids, taking care of my mother, taking care of my employees, still trying to be at the church. So when I started having that realization, Dr. Tony, after I realized that I could die too, mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. no one. Mm -hmm. And you know, and you know, this is um, National Caregiver Month, and um, my guest, um, my my guest from last week, we talked about she was a care, she's a caregiver right now for her father, and one of the things um, we know uh, we talked about is the idea of of caregivers themselves not knowing when they need a break, right? And sometimes caregivers go before the person that they're caring for. Because it's the, the weight of caring for a sick loved one, especially someone that's in your home that's sick, like a spouse or a child or a parent that you this close closely in your home that you're taking care of. Sometimes the weight of that and the stress of that and the lack of sleep and the lack of eating and or the lack of exercise or just caring for ourselves, um, it could be it's it. it that caregiver can sometimes leave or, you know, die literally before the person that they're caring for. Yes, I can see that because even with, within that, I never talked about it, but um, I got a call from my son's school and had to pick him up and um, he was limping. He didn't know why he was hurting in the bottom of his stomach. And I took him to the emergency room and he had to have emergency surgery. So... When oh he ended up going home with an open wound. And that means that I had to divide my time between the two of them, as well as my daughter was still needed to go to school and she still needed to be in some have some normalcy in her life. And although people are well intended, they sometimes say, let me know if you need anything. But if you are that strong, push through person, you're not going to say, you know, yeah. I need help. Yeah. Need help. Yeah. But yeah. I, I will say this, that my, um, my, my late husband's command really came through with the meals. They put us on a meal delivery system where they would okay. bring to the house. And that was a tremendous help. And they were always coming to visit. So while I was at work, there was always someone in the house pretty much visiting with him. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, um, house, it was the same thing. 
I hear you. I hear you. When um when I was talking with um our guest from last week, Jerry, um, she talked about that, you know, if you know a caregiver, don't wait on them to ask you. Just, you know, drop off a meal, stop, you know, you know, stop by whatever you can. I know we're in COVID now, but find ways to be a blessing to them or try to relieve them because they sometimes are not going to ask. So, so um, Dr. Sarah. This you, your mother passed in December, which is around Christmas. Your husband passed in November, which is around Thanksgiving. And we're talking about managing holiday grief and depression. Correct. You talked about your children. Um, you know, you wanted to, you felt that because you had children. So, and you know, our kids are about the holidays, particularly Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, it's a family time and you're losing family members during right. a family time when families should be gathering and laughing and, and creating memories. And you're now in the midst of someone transitioning or preparing for a funeral or whatever in the midst of that. So first of all, can you talk to us, uh, especially from your own experience and even from your professional work, what are some of the signs or some of the things that persons who are dealing with? There are people listening to this podcast who are, are going to be in the holidays. They're going to be grieving the loss of loved ones, some from COVID. We just can't, you know, we, we're in a pandemic and there are people listening to this podcast today who've lost family members and friends to COVID-19 or other diseases. And there's some, it could have been 10, 15 years ago, but the holidays bring up emotions. Yeah, different set of grief. So talk to us about that that holiday grief. Yes, the holiday grief is just an entire different experience than than throughout the year. Okay. What, and I'm involved clinically quite a bit because I'm a grief specialist. And I actually, unfortunately, have been working a lot with the COVID-19 widows, some of them as young as 29. And that is a very um, difficult and isolating experience. So what happens is why is it more complex around the holidays is because we have these expectations that have been put in place for us. We have this Hallmark card idea of what the holidays are supposed to resemble. So we can either try to emulate that and pretend and bake the turkey and put the tree up and do all of this stuff and inside be falling apart. Or we can be what they call as a scrooge, which you're not a scrooge, you're depressed and you're grieving and you don't want anything to do with any of it. So you decide to just avoid the holiday altogether. So you find that you find, so you find that, let me just make sure I'm understanding you. So you're saying that, you see, you see one or two expressions of the grief that, right. and it's almost like polar opposites or uh, one extreme to the other. So one extreme could be, I'm going to, I'm going to create this Hallmark holiday feel, push through, put up the tree, make, bake the turkey, you know, to try to get through it. And then the other one is I'm going to be, I'm disconnecting altogether. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a holiday Scrooge. I'm, I'm just not going to participate at all. Pretty much, pretty much. Okay. And, and it's a different way of, 
is adverse coping. It, it's improper. Adverse coping. Right. Okay. Right. Because you are, it's still an avoidance of the negative feeling or stimulation that goes along with having grief, anxiety, or depression associated with the holiday. So what do we do about it? What do, most people say, well, what do I do? For instance, um, the mistake I made is with my mother, um, I decided for that Christmas, because she passed away a few days before Christmas. And what I decided is I, you know, I tried to reenact her and I cooked too much and I, and I did too much. And in my efforts, I was trying to make everybody, everyone around me happy so that perhaps precariously I would be happy. And that didn't work. I ended up exhausted and frustrated and nobody enjoyed me very much. And then on the other end is I couldn't go in the room and just close the door and act like it didn't exist because of the children. So we have to make the non-traditional traditional. Oh, say that again. We have to make the non-traditional traditional. Traditional. And how do we do that? For instance, for us, what we did is when the holidays are starting, we sit down and we plan where we're going because it's okay. been hard for us to stay in this in the house because it's just the three of us and we can get kind of lonesome. And again, you watch TV and you see nothing but people sitting around with a lot of family having a great time. Yeah, because so Hallmark movies are on and people are looking forward to the Christmas movies, but everybody, those movies trigger some things for people. They are a huge trigger, especially Lifetime and Hallmark Card Channel and every channel has got, even your cartoons, it's a reminder to the children that something is missing from my life. Oh my God. Right, so what we do is we make the non-traditional traditional. One year we went to um, Disney World and we spent Christmas Eve at Disney World and saw the lights on the palace and we went all day long doing that. I reserved the space at Disney World for us to have Christmas dinner and we felt like we were amongst a lot of people. And then we stayed throughout New Year's and we didn't know it, but Erica Campbell, Mary Mary was giving a concert at Epcot <laughs> a lot of people from foreign countries, so they weren't even familiar with who they were. So lo and behold, we sitting out there like we had a whole private concert. <laughs> How awesome is that? Yeah. Way too. But even like when we would get back to the hotel, we would talk about our day. We would talk about our feelings and I would give them a chance to express how they felt. And then I could share. But we just basically found a way to entertain ourselves to a point that we had a holiday because we opened our presents and everything. But at the same time, it wasn't like the Hallmark card. You have to sit around the family table and then you see all these empty chairs. Okay. Okay. Chairs for us is a trigger. Oh, so who's not at the table this year? Correct. Mm. That's a trigger. Oh, wow. We pretty much, that's, that was our plan. So what do we do now with COVID? People say, well, we can't go. Like I had plans for me and the kids to be in Grenada throughout the whole holiday. Well, now that's not a possibility. Okay. However, you can get a very inexpensive ticket on Amtrak, get a, a private box car, and have a, a tour of pretty much from 
the East Coast to the West Coast as wow. one ride it. And I thought, well, how cool is that? Is that what you're gonna do? It's it's I it's come on with us. But it's it's literally a a nice diversion. You can I get love that. Amtrak, you can get off, you can get back on, you see somewhere you want to spend the night, or you can stay and you can just ride because you have the car, your beds, they have food. Yeah. And so I I'm thinking that as an alternative, since we're in COVID and we gotta socially distance, we can socially distance in this box car. Riding along on the train, looking, seeing these places that we've never been. I love that idea, Dr. Sarah. That's a wonderful idea. And I think that's a great idea. I don't care, you know, whether it's whether you're going through grief or depression or not. That's just a, a great family idea for this time that we're in. Because this, this COVID is bringing its own level of grief and depression. Yes. It's you're grieving your life that you had. Yeah, you're grieving the security that you used to have because now you're uncertain about the future. You may even be grieving your health because even if you don't have COVID or coronavirus, because you've been sedentary, there's certain things now that are happening to your body that you didn't expect. So yeah, that you're grieving the loss of spending time with your coworkers. Some of us are grieving the loss of our career. Uh, college students are grieving not having. Yeah. We'll see. Grief is showing up in so many different dynamics. We have to continually be creative. We have to continue. Like if you don't have the finances, even to ride the train, you have a car. Get in the car, pack some um, lunch, go to one of the parks, spend the day at the park. Um, they, the overnight parks are open year round. Yeah. Catch that. You can spend a night at one of the parks. And just explore, do things that you normally wouldn't do. This things is you would normally would not do. Right. Okay. So that's making the non-traditional tradition. And and maybe coming up with new traditions. You know, a few years ago, my family, we decided um, for Christmas, uh, we would go, we would go away. And we started doing that about maybe six years, six or seven years ago, but we started going away on Christmas. And um, last year at Christmas, we weren't able to go away because my mother was in the hospital. Um, she had a bout with cancer. She had a major surgery last year in December. So we didn't go away, but we're looking forward to going away again this year um, because we missed our holiday trip last year. But I can tell you, um, it really is it, something that we look forward to each year because it is non-traditional and we don't do the traditional Christmas where you would, you know, you know, with the big dinner and all of that, because we're usually out of town. Um, but it's, it's, um, it really does make the holidays fun. And especially if you try to go somewhere different, we, we tend to go, um, uh, to, um, Hilton Head, and uh, we've, do, we've done a few other places over the years, but we try to go somewhere so that we can create memories and not necessarily do the traditional Christmas of having all that food. And then I don't want to, and then you know what? It saves you on time and energy and you ain't got to do all that cooking and cleaning up and everything. Now, Thanksgiving, we may have dinner here or with another, with family, and then we do something else. But I like the idea of creating something new and different, especially if you're managing holiday grief and depression. And it doesn't mean that if you, um, it may not be that you've lost a loved one, but 
grief and depression that shows up during the holidays looks different is what I'm hearing you to say. Yes. And just one other creative idea that I wanted to share, especially with those that have children. Um, Great Wolf Lodge. Um, I live in the Chesapeake area and Williamsburg is about 30 minute drive for me. And I booked us a room at Great Wolf Lodge, which is like an indoor water park. Mm-hmm. like buffets and things like that but what we did was we got up early Thanksgiving morning really early and we went and we had breakfast at the golden like a golden corral like place uh-huh and they also prepare Thanksgiving dinner at this place so while we're eating breakfast I got us Thanksgiving dinner to go we drive up to Great Wolf Lodge we enjoy the water park all day we come back to the room change and sit in front of the fireplace and had Thanksgiving dinner. And oh, then, wow. Yes, and hung out that night and told stories to each other and crashed because we were so tired. And next morning, we got up to enjoy the water park and we drove back home. And we felt like we had been on a vacation and we had a great holiday. And we basically had a vacation from our grief. Oh, a vacation from our grief. Wow. I love that. I love that, a vacation for my grief, okay? And so now, you know, grief is not, it's not going to go uh, go anywhere. So what do you do when you come back from the, the holiday, from the vacation, from the grief, from the vacation from your grief, when you go back and then grief is sitting at the foot of your bed or meeting you at the door, how are you, how do you get through that? How do you, so how do we handle our grief? From there. In our environment. That's Mm -hmm. the question. I always talk to people about their expectations. What are your expectations? Are they realistic? And are you memorializing people, places, and things more than you should? What is healthy and what isn't? Okay. There are stages to grief. And yes, you should follow those normal stages. But within a period of time, are Can you share what those stages are? Well, the stages could be first denial, anger. Um, you you want to make some kind of deal that no, this didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you try to make those inside deals like, okay, if, if I do this, then this will make my grief go away. Mm-hmm. Those, are mm-hmm. the, those are some of the stages of grief. And some people progress through those stages pretty well. And then some people they kind of get stuck and they get stuck in a place known as complicated grief. And complicated grief means that you are not making progress. You're kind of staying stuck and it's now manifested into a clinical diagnosis and it can include depression, anxiety, and at this point. And really, I, I feel personally that it doesn't help even if you think you're doing okay to see a grief therapist and have a talk. Okay. Have okay. someone to talk to. Okay. So you recommend, even if you don't think that you're having an issue, still see a grief therapist? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's really, really good. But and, and, you know, you said something earlier about you had your children in therapy and you were going, but you weren't, you were going for them, but you weren't going for yourself. No, I was taking them. And I, I would take them to a, like a children's grief therapist and I would sit there with them, but I didn't, I didn't have a therapist for me. 
to help me. Okay. Okay. So you are a therapist now, but talk about to, um, to, with our audience. And um, I think you're the third therapist that I've had on this podcast this year. Um, I've had my therapist on and um, that's um, um, Dr. Felicia um, White English. And then I've had, um, I've had um, Tracy Barbie, who's in the Chesapeake area uh, from, from um, yeah, from Fountain of Hope, um, counseling um okay. counseling agency and she's in chesapeake she's a uh, she's really family for me um she and her husband um pastor Derek barbie served in our local church here in atlanta for m- many years she has got mother to um our middle son and we're godparents oh, um got parents to our middle son and we're godparents to their son Derek. And so we've been in, we, we're family now. You know, when people have been in your life more than 20 some years, yeah, like family. family. Right. She's in Chesapeake as well. They're in, they relocated to Virginia uh, for ministry opportunity that uh, Pastor Derek had. And so they, they ended up staying there and that's where they are now. They put down roots there. And so she's in that area. So she's been on the show and now you're, you're the third therapist that's been on our show. And I really specifically wanted you to come on during this time because of the holidays. And I knew, I knew some of your story and I felt like you would be a good person to share. And then plus your work in grief, I felt would be good. So, um, so, so my, my question to you is talk to our team of those that are listening to us about the importance of having a therapist on board. You know, I talk about having a self-care board of directors in my book uh, on self-care and on one of the persons on my self-care board is my therapist. But I know that grief therapy is a different kind of therapy than just, you know, in other therapies. Is, am I correct? Well, grief therapy is a con- it, it can address just the grief. But okay. In general, can address a combination of concerns. And it's okay. interesting that you use the, the analogy having a board. Well, for me, I'm saying you need to be your own emotional CEO. Uh-huh. Yes. Your therapist is one of your emotional stakeholders. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. I got to write that down, girl. You're dropping some real nuggets now. Okay. So, I and I usually have my little notebook next to me when I'm doing these shows because I'm learning as I as I interview. So, you called it your, your I, I call it a self-care board of directors. And I always say that I am the chair of that board. All right. right? I'm the CEO of that board. So my self-care is my responsibility to make sure that I'm caring caring for myself. But there are other people on that board, like my therapist, my trainer. That's right. Okay. They are emotional stakeholders. Emotional stakeholders. Emotional CEO of your care. Okay. Okay. Emotional CEO. And my therapist is my emotional stakeholders. One of of my stakeholders. stakeholders. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Or mental health stakeholders, whichever you prefer. But okay. what I am working towards is normalizing mental health because right. we tend to separate physical health and spiritual health and mental health. You know, it is all, listen, this is it's, a example. We're in a pandemic right now. Okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Facet of COVID 19 that's separated from any dimension of our health. 
COVID-19 can affect your health. It can affect you even if you don't have the virus because of the protective methods you have to take. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mental health wise, just having to wear a mask, just the isolation that's involved, just this, the fear of if I go to the grocery store, I can contract Uh economic health. You're now having to telework or you don't have work. Mm-hmm. Environmental. This is a pandemic. Yeah. So it's environmental. They're not sure how exactly this is transmitted or how it's affecting us. So that's involved. Um, intellectual. You got to stay on top of what's yeah. happening. And yeah. to, so why are we separating dimensions of ourselves this way? So I'm working really hard at having those conversations that mental health is no longer a separate thing. Like mental health becomes a stigma. Mental health is, if you mention it uh, or you say you have a therapist, you're crazy. We are changing how we view it. And as we change how we view it, for instance, if you have a diabetes diagnosis, Mm -hmm. they also recommend therapy because that's a life-changing event and that's stressful. Yeah. But if your mental health is not in check, it aggravates your diabetes. So please explain to me why all this is separated. If you're in grief, that is a mental health condition that Mm -hmm. affects you, your body, how you physically respond. And for me, I almost had a stroke from grieving myself to that point. Wow. And you know what I hear? I use the term harmony. Thus, harmonize your life. Yes. Conversations on self-care. My book, Harmonize Your Life, A Journey to a Self-Care. I have um, a a self-care group, Harmonize Your Life, self-care group for women. All of that, because what I hear when I hear that is harmony. It all is all impacting. It's all affecting and impacting one another. So my emotional health is not separated from my physical health my spiritual health is not separated from my from my from my emotional health it's all together because that's how god created us correct so we do not we we cannot live our lives compartmentalized like that we have to harmonize it bring it all together and see how it's all impacting each other what what feeds into what so that we can make sure we're healthy all spirit, soul, and body. You know what the scripture says? Paul said that I'm praying that your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body will be preserved blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. So that says the whole totality of who I am must be brought to into a place of homeostasis or harmony in the way God, cre- God created it to be. And then things like grief and loss, pandemics, losing jobs, those things, sicknesses come in to bring disharmony. So then we got to work to bring harmony, which is why having women and men in our lives like um, like you and some of the guests who've been on our show is so important. Dr. Sarah, I tell you, is there anything else you want to say as we begin to wrap up? I've kept you long enough, but I, I want to just 
just ask you if there's any anything else um, that you want. I want to do this before I give you last words. Is I want to let people know how they can connect with you. So, Dr. Sarah, you see her name there, Dr. Sarah Williams. She is a um, you heard her. She is a licensed therapist. She's she does work in grief, um, and so you can look her up. I want to let you know how you can find her. There, Covenant Way Clinical Counseling. I put that on the screen. Covenant Way Clinical, um, and you can reach her at covenantwaywellness.com. You can follow her on Instagram at drsarah.w, at drsarah.w on Facebook. You can find her at Dr. Sarah Williams. Listen, you all, find her, look her up. Listen, follow this podcast, share this podcast episode. You might be grieving or you may know someone that is grieving and needs this information. So give, send them to this, to my YouTube channel, share the link, go to my YouTube channel, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. It will be up there. You can find it. You can share it. You can uh, 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 cut and paste and email it to somebody. Let them know, become a subscriber to the YouTube channel. You can go, um, and join women. You can join the Harmonize Your Life uh, self-care network so you can be a part of other conversations like this. There are things that we talk about in the network that are not necessarily on the podcast. I often bring some of my speakers from the podcast to the network so that the women can ask questions and we can dialogue with the speakers from the podcast. So I want to invite you to join our self-care network. You need to be a part of a community that can help you. You need some other stakeholders on your self-care board of directors. You can follow this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. You can look us up. You can go to my website at drtonyalvarado.com and you can find us and you can follow the Harmonize Your Life Conversations on Self-Care for, uh, for Women of Color podcast. Dr. Sarah, is there one last thing that you want to say to us as we begin to sign off here? I just want you to give us one last word, last two or three things that you want to say as we enter into the holidays, as we're managing grief through COVID-19, loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of opportunities, all of the things that have come along this year, our nation is grieving right now. What can you say to us and how, what should we be doing in this season as we go into the holidays? Yes, people often ask me that. And this is a time of healing. This is a time to nurture yourself. This is a time to reach out and connect to other people. Um, my website is actually covenantwaywellness.org. And we have a number of holistic related opportunities if you want to combine mindfulness and yoga, if we have a women's mindfulness group where we combine mental health and mindfulness because we need to support each other. People say, hi, Dr. Sarah, how did you do it? I love myself. I learned to love myself. That's how it happened. So thank you so much, Dr. Tony, for allowing me to be part of the show. I really, really, really appreciate you. I got your I got your website correct that time. Covenantwaywellness.org. I got it there. Follow Dr. Sarah. So there's a lot of good things that are happening. You know, good people know good people. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm so glad we wish we, we like swimming in the same stream and I love that you know I love yoga I host a yoga group on Monday nights so I need to come over to your yoga group yes do you do yes. yoga on Mondays is your group on Mondays 
It's on Wednesday. Well, good. And mine is on Mondays. Okay, okay so I know some local group on Monday. You, ladies, that's right. We can do that. Let's do that. Okay, so we'll talk off offline and make that happen. If you want to join our yoga group, meet me on Monday night and meet Dr. Sarah on Wednesday night. I'm telling you, it is a wonderful way to stay healthy. Um, doing yoga, it helps to center us. Mindfulness is a big part of staying healthy and moving through the holidays. And as we go into this holiday season, my prayer for each and every one of us is that we'll go through with joy and that we'll come out of the holidays with our emotional health intact. And so I am so, again, grateful for Dr. Sarah for being here with us on today on the Harmonize Your Life Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast. Meet us again next week and we will be happy to share some more dynamic information with each and every one of you. Hi, this is Dr. Tony Alvarado. I am so delighted about bringing the Harmonize Your Life podcast to you. Would you do me a favor? If you are enjoying this, this podcast, would you email me at hello at drtonyalvarado.com? I want to hear from you. I want your feedback. I want to know if there are any other topics that you are interested in as it relates to wellness, self-care, nutrition, or just overall bringing harmony into your life. Email me, contact me at hello at drtonyalvarado.com.